the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. This looks like a job for me, so Biden, are those Tom Ford's or Purcell sunglasses you have on? You have to see them, ladies and gentlemen, like a movie star. Double-breasted, all expensive, $6,000 suit, $1,200 glasses. What did Jim Biden ever do? Nothing. He's a bag man for his dimwit brother who has been profiting off policies for five fracking decades. And there's a $200,000 check. From the dimwit scumbag brother to the so-called president of the United States. And it's from a company that stole $100 million from our Medicare system. And that's just the latest. You see, the Bidens have been raping this country for five decades. First, before little Hunter was old enough to become a crack whore. Right before that, it was his brother, James. And James is behind closed doors today. So the propaganda wing called the Democrat Party is out and they're telling you there's nothing here. But before we get to those clips, remember the kind of Marxist psychology we're actually dealing with when you talk about the modern day Democrats, yesteryear's Marxist mafia. Ideological subversion is is the slow process which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, activne meropriatia in the language of, of the KGB or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. It's oh, Yuri, I love you, but not everybody, because I could see right through these rat bastards and when they parade around such low-life scum as the heir or as i like to refer to him the heiress the butter-handed pansy dan goldman from new york as they parade him around to tell you that there's nothing there that's how you know there's always something there in fact it is no evidence it is just simply evidence that the republicans are willing to be used as assets of russian intelligence just like donald trump was in 2016 and throughout his presidency when he went to uh in a press conference in helsinki and chose vladimir putin's word over his own intelligence community now you see the oligarchs for instance ihor kolomoisky or the low-life scumbag Milos Yobanovich or whoever the hell owned Burisma. They cannot be found. 
So what they've managed to do is intimidate and imprison the people who would testify as to the corruption of not just Joe Biden. Everybody knew that that dirtbag from Delaware was always a corrupt asset of enemies, foreign and domestic. But the oligarchs who are raping us and profiting by the tune of billions and billions of dollars will throw them in jail, just like the old Soviets did. This morning, the former FBI informant accused of making false bribery claims about President Biden and his son Hunter has been released on bond. Now you hear the propaganda, right? False bribery claims. Well, that hasn't been determined yet. That hasn't been determined by we the people. Now, it may have been determined by forever bothering Italians or the Federal Bureau of Incompetence, often referred to as the FBI. But we know who makes up the FBI, the assets of the Marxist mafia, the Comeys, the Rays, and those who would make excuses to protect their own war chest and their own planes flying around. But Dan Goldman coming out and pretending that Donald Trump is somehow an asset of Russia versus Joe Biden proving himself to be an asset of the most corrupt country the world has ever known. Some refer to it as Ukraine. I refer to it as the home of the Azov Nazis. Not only is there no evidence of any wrongdoing by President Biden, but it now appears as if the House Republican majority is being used by Russia to interfere in the 2024 election on behalf of Donald Trump. If they continue with this investigation... You know who's used by Ukrainian oligarchs? These whores. These politicians who keep funding the Leviathan. Because in all of this talk, we now know there's over $1 billion. But when we knew that there was $400 million stolen directly by Zelensky in the upper echelon, why didn't they want to know? President Zelensky is under fire for corruption. A new report says he embezzled the aid money. It was released by an American investigative journalist, Seymour Hirsch. He says Zelensky and his team have embezzled about $400 million. $400 million. Apparently, They didn't want to know when the wife of a Ukrainian nobody shows up with suitcases and suitcases full of money. The wife of a Ukrainian politician has been caught allegedly smuggling $28 million and 1.3 million euros in cash. Do you know Anastasia why? Because our news didn't report it. You only could find that news in other venues across the world because our so-called news has been running cover for this money laundering scheme of a government because they're cut in on it. That's what it is. That's why when you see the CNN ex-anchor run as 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 a Democrat in New York, it all makes sense to you. They're all on the same fraud. And now they pretend there's nothing that they were caught. CIA assets, FBI assets, making and creating the Russian hoax in 2016. This is all part of a propaganda and disinformation campaign by Russia attempting to help Donald Trump. And Did I get a check from Russia, Squirrel? I don't know. Could you do me a favor? Could you check my bank account and see if there's any check in there with Vladimir Putin's signature? Oh, what do you mean you don't have to check my, my bank account? The FBI or the IRS can do it automatically for me? Oh, that's very interesting. All right, fair enough. You know, when we point out the very clear contours of this story, our colleagues just start chanting Russia hoax, Russia hoax. Well, what's the hoax? Is it the uh, the brutal invasion of Ukraine and the tens of thousands of Ukrainians who've died or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of Russians who've died? Is it the death of Navalny that's the hoax? What exactly is the hoax they're talking about? Because um, it seems to me that the most well, likely hoax is really Donald Trump. 
who's been manipulated uh, by Putin for a long time or is certainly in love with Vladimir Putin. Wrong. In love with Vladimir Putin. It's a funny thing when you talk about love and nobody can explain why billions and billions, hundreds of billions of our money has ended up in the bank accounts of oligarchs. And somehow you're supposed to believe this one man who never was involved in politics, aside from buying Democrats in very strategic areas. This one man is somehow responsible for a treason in this nation because he has a mysterious relationship with Vladimir Putin. But the vice president who became the president under very questionable circumstances and has since he seized the office done nothing but enrich every foreigner who has we can trace 24 million into his bank accounts. He's enriched the Chinese Communist Party to the tunes of hundreds of billions of dollars. He's enriched the Ukrainian overlords for we don't know what and we don't look after them after we know they stole our money. And you want me to believe that Donald Trump is the traitor? This could only be something sold by true low-life roaches like Democrats in our country. Wittingly or unwittingly, House Republicans have been acting as an agent or an asset of Russian intelligence for Vladimir Putin. Uh, this whole Burisma thing was debunked during the first impeachment investigation in 2019 by... What was debunked? A crack-smoking, degenerate, whoremongering scumbag sat on the board of a natural gas and oil company in Ukraine with zero experience. What is debunked? Oh, is that the same thing James Biden did when he sat on the, uh, on the board as an advisor to AmeriCorps? His wife and his child made hundreds of thousands of dollars a year for no-show jobs. Is that normal? And the sad reality is when you know a Democrat area, it is normal. Right now, today, in that once great city, now sewer ghetto of corruption. You are paying for hundreds, if not thousands, of no-show jobs. All connected clout guys that have never even been to work. You're paying for them. You're paying for their pensions. And it's the same in the state of Illinois. Because it is normal. That is normal. And that's what Dan Goldman wants to make sure lasts in perpetuity. Numerous, numerous witnesses, all of whom experts on Ukraine and Russia. And now this uh, 30, this 1023 materializes from a purported conversation in 2020 that is treated as gospel by the Republicans. And I would like to know whether or not Senator Grassley, who had a copy of this 1023 before the FBI ever gave it, or Chairman Comer or Chairman Jordan, all of whom were singing the praises. I would like to know one reasonable explanation. One reasonable explanation. It's hard not to get pulled into the hoopla and just want to headbutt these low-life scumbags. But can one of them tell you why Hunter Biden would possibly sit on the board? You see, this is open, and it's notorious thievery. And we've spent years ignoring it. Years. We're all numb to it, especially if you grew up in Chicago. You know the scams. You probably know somebody in on the scams. And we've normalized it. So now at this point, what are you going to do when the president, so-called president, just gives away more money because he's openly buying votes? President Biden announced this morning his administration is canceling another $1.2 billion in student loans. This latest. The Supreme Court said he couldn't do it. He keeps doing it. How does he do it? Because he packages it in legalized bribery. And it's time for it to end. It's time for it to end. My favorite part is when the dimwit, the other dimwit, the drunken old coke whore from the 80s, the dimwit 
said he couldn't do it. People think that the president of the United States, is this more on the subject than you ever want to know? Will you let me know? People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That. So what they're trying to do is because one Barack Obama nationalized student debt, they're trying to say they're rewarding people who have been paying. This is all another way to corrupt our society to where it's normal to accept the kind of corruption that tore down our once great city and now turned it into a ghetto. I say it's not, but then again, when I watch that fat slob of a governor whose name is synonymous with Chicago corruption, when I watch him come out and tell you how great Illinois is doing, there will be those who cheer, who cheer it, and it will always be those who are recipients of corruption. And that's what this is up. This is this election year is about. It's about the people who want to be corrupt and be fat and lazy versus the rest of us Americans. That's what's on the so-called ballot. But don't worry. They have a, a backup plan. They'll just steal it like they do in every Democrat area. 312-642-5600. He's Sean Thompson. Hello, Mr. Thompson. And this is the Sean Thompson Show on AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. They have an entire propaganda right in this country. They're called PR. And they're very organized. And every morning... They send out key talking points, which is why you hear them repeated by the same assets of the Leviathan, of the Marxist mafia. Whether it's Dan Goldman or Jamie Raskin or Hakeem Jeffries. What's with the hands? What do you think, you're Sicilian, Hakeem? Stop talking with your hands on The View. You embarrass yourself as if The View doesn't embarrass themselves enough. But see, everyone knows that the dimwit in diapers with that perpetual dementia-glazed face of his is unfit to do anything including walk up short stairs where he walks into the luggage department of Air Force One and you pretend he's still a man. So when it comes to debating, the uh, talking point has already gone out and it started on The View. We don't need to have a debate. I just, you know, I don't think I need to see someone who has been twice impeached and is a disgrace and a one-term president with 91 counts facing him. I think it legitimizes him. I don't need to be gaslit by Trump. We all know who he is. Gaslit? You mean by showing you the fact, you stupid son of a dog? Is that what you mean? See, because the fact of the matter is, you are sitting there. Will you allow this traitor to our nation who we can tie to tens of millions of dollars from enemies, the Chinese Communist Party and oligarchs in the former Soviet Union who are getting their way. They're stealing our money. And everybody knows this. Everybody's known about Joe Biden for decades. Well, the important thing is he's going to have to explain it. For those of us who've been writing about the Bidens for years, I've actually been writing about the influence peddling with the Biden family for over a decade. Um, This is an amazing moment because the Bidens have never been called to account. They've never been forced to go under oath and answer these questions. $200,000 check, a kick back to the dimwit and diapers from his lowlife scum brother from a company that is caught stealing $100 million from Medicare, called AmeriCorps. They don't want to know how his brother, sister-in-law, and nephew all worked at the company and nobody went to work. 
They themselves made over a million seven a year for doing nothing. What will distract them, Squirrel? I know what will distract them. Give more money away. President Biden announced this morning his administration is canceling another $1.2 billion in student loans. So if you're some deadbeat, lowlife, who doesn't want to pay for your own schooling, you don't give a rip. You'll vote for this moron or you'll accept the results the same way you did in 2020. Uh, George Naperville. Sean, this Democrat cabal always uses Russia as a cover for their misdeeds. What's that all about? Because when it, once you mention Russia and once you mention foreign policy, people will turn a blind eye to what they know is not only wrong, but thievery. They just want to pretend to feel safe. Scott in Aurora. Sean, I love the luggage compartment comment. Oh, thank you. Uh, it was hilarious. Uh, is it as funny to you as it is to me? that every time they put a mic in front of like these Democrats' face, all they can do is talk about how much they hate Russia and hate Putin. Every time they put a mic in front of Putin's face, he talks about how he wants these dimwits to be elected because they're such bought-and-paid-for freaking morons. If you look at anything that Saul Alinsky worked on, you understand the Soviet Union was taken down by 10% of the people. They were the Bolsheviks. 10% were the hardcore Marxists. That's who took over and imprisoned that entire country. And what he understands, and when I say he, I mean Putin, along with many others who have been victims of Marxists, is it's the Marxists that is the enemy of all men. In America, the Marxists are the Democrats. That's why their platform mimics Gus Hall's communist campaign in this country. That's why they were, they're always promoting this what? This phony virtue of utopia? If only we bankrupt enough of you? It's, it's, it's a simple thing. The enemy isn't Vladimir Putin. The enemy is the ideology that turned Russia into the Soviet Union. And that ideology is in Washington, D.C. It's in Chicago. It's in New York. It's wherever a Democrat is because they're indistinguishable from last century's Marxist to this century's Democrat. Greg and Rogers Park. Hey, Sean, listen, the, the governor in his budget address today claims that our bond status has gotten better. It's all I understand it's all lies, but how did it go up when we've not, we have not cut spending and we've done nothing with the that? COVID, he stole the COVID money, the handout. And that's Trump's fault. Trump should have put restrictions. Trump should have never bought the whole damn thing of imitating the velocity of money because all you really achieved is bailing out these ghettos. And that's what they need again. They need another, vi oh, by the way, we're going to get to Fauci and the biolabs and all the rest of it. They need another pandemic. They need another emergency because it's within the emergency that they steal and sweep their failings under the rug. It's, it's, it's the same old thing. And, you know, you got to be careful now, Squirrel, because if you talk about it, well, then Lois Lerner retired on some beach, but her old agency, the Gestapo is called the IRS. They've got a new way to monitor you. So AI has access to, like, everybody's bank account? What? They, they see the amount in your bank account, yes. I can't. Is it constitutional to do that? I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. They are assholes. Really? They are the definition of an asshole. All of them. They have no problem like, going after the small people, you know, putting people in prison, like destroying people's life. They, they really? Have, they have no problem doing that. They say that. OMG, during another date, only this time the government employee's heterosexual, I lost $5 on that. 
During another date, the IRS employee talks about how easy it is for IRS bureaucrats to have fun bankrupting and taking our money. And you think Russia, Vladimir Putin, is the enemy? We're the new Soviet Union. Just listen to him. We were all nice when we started. Now look at us. Like, not, they are like robots right now. All of them. I can't wait to give this news to all of my friends. <laughs> yeah, please don't tell them my name. Defund the frickin' government. They're stealing our money, and they're guaranteeing to bankrupt each one of us who speaks out against us. Against it, not just Trump. 312-642-5600. Bob, you'll be first. He believes in freedom, capitalism, and individual liberty. And because of that, he's become an enemy of the state. He's Sean Thompson, and this is The Sean Thompson Show on AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. So we just had a call from a Democrat, which is great, because she called my lovely honey bunny, and she said, what station is this? You see, you fracking moron, you dialed the number, moron. What was her name, and where was she calling from, honey bunny? Jean from Elgin. And she called me, what did she call me, right wing? You see, Jean, you moron. I'm not right wing. I would have never forced anybody to do anything. Right wing is the actual Nazis. If you want to go right wing, I'm not right wing and I'm not a Republican. I don't like 70 percent of the Republicans. But one thing for sure that I'm not is a fascist, is a government supremacist like you, Gene, you fracking moron. And take a look at the results of your so-called opinion. Look at the once great areas that your party has destroyed and decimated and bankrupted. Take a look around, stupid. And in the meantime, why don't you take the uh, red line and take a ride on the L? Go to the city that is the example of all of your philosophies and policies. Go and look at the vacant square footage. Go look at what used to be called the Magnificent Mile. Take a look at the quality of life, moron. And if you think I want you to listen, or I need your listenership, I don't want you to listen. Go listen to one of George Soros' stations. He just bought WBBM and six others in Chicago, 220 across the nation. Go listen to that ex-Nazi piece of dung. Go listen to him. And know that when you listen to me, if you can't figure out how to change a station, I want you to sit in a corner with a dunce cap on. Because every Democrat for the last hundred years is responsible for not just the national debt, but for the destruction of American principles, where you feel so confident in your fascism, you think you could force people to stick a vaccine in their arm, you fascist pig. All right. They're stupid. Exactly. Bob and Itasca. Sean, you're on fire. I think you need to take some of that blood pressure uh, drink. Oh, baby, I run hot. We need hot, you to like go a natural, syndicated across this country. But one thing you did say before is about the people that are going to save this country if it's going to be saved. It's going to be the people that I run into that are from Poland, Romania. They said everything that's going on is what they saw in their countries, and they fear for it. And don't you discount the Ukrainians that are here. This country. Don't discount yeah, the, the Ukrainians. The morons. Are what was that, Sean? Don't discount the Ukrainians. You see, they're oh, the ones oh, yeah. who really oh, yeah. cheer. The Ukrainians. They're the well, ones you know, who. They're the ones who really I, cheer when I mention Ihor Kolomoisky. See, because oh, that's I not a it. name most people talk about. He's an oligarch that imprisoned the honest Ukrainian, the one that was in war with their own government. He's the one who makes sure that the median income is sixteen thousand. If you're good, good. 
He's right. the one that made sure that, that the bulk of the money went into his fat-ass pocket. That's why. Correct. So they love when I talk about the corruption in Ukraine. It's all the former Soviets that know exactly what I'm talking about. They're smart enough to know if they call or if they listen, they might get hit on the IRS with the AI in their bank account. It's only you and me and people like us that would rather be broke and proud than be, conf- be complacent in the form of the American Soviet system, which is what the Democrats like that moron gene support and vote for. Thank you for the call. Ken in Geneva. Hey, I, I always love your show, but I, I just wanted to call in because today was a goal. Oh, I wanted to hear Ken. Ken, oh. it's the NSA, rat bastards, call back. Jay, New Lennox. Hey, Sean, great show. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. I, I just wanted to get your opinion on whether or not this uh, adversary from Russia, this guy that just died in Siberia, if they're pushing the narrative, at least the deep state or Hillary Clinton's hitmen took this guy out so they could pass this $60 billion uh, funding to Ukraine to make it all seem like Putin's as bad guys killing people and maybe we're behind it. I know it's a crazy theory, but... Well, well Jay, um, I, I will say this. I think it's, it's, it's the media that stoked up the corrupt Clinton crime family and kept them and kept the people from knowing the scandals they were involved in from robbing our own seniors in Whitewater when she was just the first lady of Arkansas into what she really became, which is an asset of enemies. And they're the ones that kept the information from the Uranium One deal and how many speeches Bill Clinton had given prior to that deal in Russia for half a million dollars. I think it was three or five that he gave. So the Clinton Foundation reaped massive rewards so Hillary Clinton could actually give uranium to Vladimir Putin. So they're the and same ones that keep the information the that the guy who was killed represented the old Soviets who wanted zero immigration, who is the real closest thing you can get to a crossbred hybrid between Stalin and Adolf Hitler. That's who that guy was. That's why when you look at all of the people at his rallies, what is the one flag they have? The hammer and sickle, like the Chicago Teachers Union. That's what they don't want the people of, of this country to know, as they get more checks that they could steal among their oligarchs like Ihor Kolomoisky. Yeah, I thought it was very convenient that uh, all of a sudden we're trying to pass another bill to send more tax dollars over, over to Ukraine, yeah. and all of a sudden this guy shows up dead. I don't care how communists die. I just hope it's painful. Thank you very much, Jay. See what I did there, Squirrel? I think you do. Eduardo, Tampa Bay. Yeah. Oh, before I comment, uh, Spanish farmers uh, on the offensive in uh, Madrid. Great news. That, that needs to happen all over the world here. You mean against but the government that's trying to media. take away their livelihood? Is that what you're Give it a little context there. Yeah. yeah right. You notice, I, uh, I think you commented on this already, but I stepped out uh, the wife of the uh, Haitian president. No, I have it. I have the clip. So, I, love, I love that clip, by the way. Yeah, but wh- where's the media? I mean, she, you know, she's non-white. I mean... I thought they were bigger on, uh, you know. You know, you're jumping the show, man. Now, I was oh going to talk God. about that. Now nobody knows what you're talking about, so we got to fill them in. you got to give a little context, squirrel. Tonight, a twist in the investigation into the assassination of Haiti's former president, Jovenel Moise. A judge now, not a lot of people remember, squirrel, but when this happened, it was found that two, two of the assassins who were caught, two, traced back to the American CIA. I don't know whose side you're on, but two of them trace back to the American CIA. Others were at other intelligence agencies in Central South America and even Europe. 
and they killed the Haitian president. See, Haiti has been a, a golden goose of corruption for the oligarchs around this country and Central South America for decades, really. They just keep robbing and raping those people. And they put different versions of, 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 uh, of people in. And once the presidents start to talk about implementing, say, a constitution or rules, they mots him or they, you know, they make sure he never wins. So here was a guy that was going to stand up for the people. He wanted to establish a Bill of Rights and a constitution. So he got killed. And now the powers that be decided that the people like the wife. So what are you going to do? What you did to Donald Trump, what you do to all threats to government supremacy, you, you put him in prison. Haiti indicting his wife, Martine Moise, of allegedly being an accomplice in the assassination. In a 122-page document, nearly 50 suspects named and indicted, including ex-Prime Minister Claude Joseph and the former chief of Haiti's National Police, Leon Charles. Now, the funny thing about this, um, she's a co-conspirator, as you heard. They didn't know if she was going to live, Squirrel. You see, she was shot multiple times in the assassination attempt. Two years ago, the former president was shot dead after a group of armed men broke into his Port-au-Prince home while he slept in his bedroom with his wife. His wife, Martine Moise, survived the attack and was found in critical condition after the raid. But she's a co-conspirator. She told him, you know what, shoot me to half to death just to make it look good. And that's how you know, once again, in America... We have a propaganda uh, bureaucracy that's controlling our media. Ideological subversion is, is the slow process which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, in the language of, of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interests of defending themselves, their families, their community, and their country. And before you know it, Squirrel, you'll be able to indict an ex-president for a crime that never happened with no plaintiff, and you'll be able to try and bankrupt them right here in this country. Oh, wait a minute. 312-642-5600. Make money, smoke cigars, and live free. On the Sean Thompson Show, on AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. Meanwhile, Mayor Eric Adams is rolling out a money-saving program. He claims it's money-saving to help migrants. Adams' uh, debit card program for migrants will reportedly give migrants up to $10,000 each in taxpayer money with no ID check. No restrictions and no fraud control. So Fantastic. Now, why would he do that? Well, we got to get him voting Democrat because in New York, illegal aliens can vote in local elections. Huh. That makes sense. Ed and Dyer. Hey, Sean. Great yes. to talk to you again. I don't get in too often. But you're right. The only people that I know are the only party that are in bed with the Russians were the Democrats. Obama and the hot mic, and yeah. Hillary, Hillary with the reset button, and she got that all wrong. And God damn it! Oh, you can't, can't believe this. That. You can't say. Oh, that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got, go ahead. Darn it! Yeah, the stupid groundhog got it right. It's 60 degrees here today. Yeah, the groundhog. Well, I, I, think, I think the groundhog week. saw Pritzker's shadow. He was casting it all around. Anthony St. Charles, what's up, Ant? Oh, Sean, I just wanted to say a, a 
put a plug in for Happy President's Month and Day. I wanted to. I had to. I was called to the dinner table on President's Day, so I couldn't talk to you real quick about President's Day. But I just want to say real quick, and I wanted to let our listeners hear a brief strand from my record of "Hail to the Chief" as I close. But I just wanted to say before that, you know, we we discussed a lot of difficult, hard issues on this show, and and we're really a bummed out country. And the reason why we are is because we have leaders that don't care about our ideals. And once we do. We're going to have those ideals back, and we're going to have our well. Back. I'm going to tell you another thing, Anthony, that I think is a is a problem with uh, the way we look at politics. You see, we're the leaders; they're the followers. The That's what a republic is. They're not supposed to be leaders. You do what I tell you to do. But see, this is the argument: who's the boss? But in the principles of a republic, you're supposed to have the ability to control the public servant. Yet the public servant is unfettered. And that's how you know the principles of our republic have been upended and been bastardized. The only restraints on this in this country, the only ones that are ever to exist, are to be on government, but nobody can point to one restraint on government. In fact, this government has been able to bankrupt the people for, de- for generations. I mean, no one even talks, talks about how to eliminate the debt. You notice that? How both parties... Forget about, forget about balancing the budget. How do you pay off the debt? You see, not everybody lives their life like a ghetto roach where they just want to pay the VIG or the interest-only payments. Some people are concerned about what do you do with the debt that you're ignoring. And the answer is, if you complain about the debt, you're going to get the treatment of the government. Whether you're a citizen, we'll sick the IRS on you just like we're more than happy to do and have done tens of millions of times before, or the court system like you saw with Donald Trump. Or if you're a country and you don't want to partake in our money scheme, which is really the sin of Vladimir Putin and so many others. They don't want to buy our phony currency. That's what this is all about. Then what we do is we whip up a lot of propaganda and we open the floodgates and kill your people. And we'll use any moron country in the middle. Just ask Ukraine. Rich, I need to have park. Rich, what are you? Are you busy? Rich. Hey, Sean. Right. Yeah. Can you hear me? Now I can. Go ahead. Yeah, I got a little information for you. And the reason why King Jeffries uses his hands to talk, he's saying it to all of the deaf people and make sure they vote for Biden and the Democrats. I nice. Nice. That must be the money symbol he keeps giving out with his hands. Did you see him today? Did you hear him today? Yeah. It's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. Everybody's, we're all Putin stooges. Let me ask you something. What do you think Putin has on him, on Trump? <laughs> well. Oh, that's a good question. I, what has he got? I actually think that. Money. Donald Trump. Do you believe this idiot at The View? You are such an idiot, a moron. What's her name? Joy Behar. What a dog. Inside and out. How stupid you are. You've got a sitting so-called president who we know has tens of millions of dollars from the very countries that are enriching themselves on our dollars. And you're going to say Trump has money? You, you're, you're a useful idiot. Trump views himself as a Putin-esque Leader. dictatorial figure. Yeah. Yes. He said it, yes. and we should believe him, that he wants to go down this road. And that's the problem that we're encountering. With- dictator, dictator, dictator. What did, I don't think that it was Donald Trump that, that wanted to force people to put that experiment in their arm that is now killing people. And you're lying about it called a vaccine. See, a dictator did that. One in diapers to put the cherry Sunday on the fascist Sunday. But some of my Republican colleagues that 
um, there's a growing pro-Putin faction in the Republican Party. And it's led by Donald Trump, some other outside figures like Tucker Carlson, and on the inside, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Jim Jordan. Hey, Hakeem, you with the hand gestures. Where's the billion that we can't find? Got any information? Not only that, how about the weapons? How about the weapons? Not the not the eighty-five billion we gave to the Taliban that you signed off on, but the billion dollars that we gave to so-called Ukraine. Because I got a sneaky suspicion, it's in the hands of the Houthis and the Blowfish. Yes, Kamala Harris too. We'll be back after this. This is the Sean Thompson Show on AM five sixty. The answer from the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merck. He's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. This looks like a job for me, so everybody just follow me, because we need a little controversy. My next guest has served as a fellow in European policy studies at the Center for Strategic and International Studies and senior research fellow in geopolitics and foreign policy at the Heritage Foundation. He's a life member of the U.S. Council on Foreign Relations. He's authored and co-authored a total of 14 books. His newest book, The Last Best Hope, A History of American Realism, he is John Hulsman. John, thank you for joining me. How are you? It's great, Sean. Great to be on the show. Well, it's an interesting topic that your your expertise is in, and that topic is exactly what's really at the forefront of what the future of America will be based on the past failures as I see it. And I'm wondering if you feel that way, that the past failures in political profiting versus the ideals of capitalism and business and trade have corrupted the future opportunities of uh, future capitalism and trade. Sean, I do. I mean, one of the things you left off on my glorious titles is that I've run a political, a global political risk business for 16 years. And after I left Heritage over my disagreements with the neoconservatives over the Iraq war, I did what Republicans used to do in the old days when they were out of favor. I went abroad and they made a lot of money. Um, I started, I, I knew you'd like that. I started a business from nothing. Unlike everybody else at the council and all the other people you named, I have to make a budget and a payroll. I run one of the largest global political risk firms of the world, and I much prefer my private sector clients to the public sector. If you're right about geopolitics in the private sector, they pay you a, w, a double and invite you back. If you're wrong about something like the Iraq war, they give you a job at the Council on Foreign Relations for the rest of your life. And there's no accountability whatsoever. And I think that's exactly why I wrote this book, to try to remind the base of the GOP and the conservative movement that realism started with George Washington and it's taken it a long way. And to quote the Beatles, it's time to get back. I agree. And when you look at the failings, let's just stick on the topic that was a, was a stone in your shoe and, and, and a meaning uh, for you to change your life. Let's just take a look at the fact of the Iraq War. Do you think the American people understand the, the kind of profiting that was done in the name of that war? No. And I remember at the time uh, thinking to myself, you know, it was pretty clear. And I wrote, you can go back. The great thing about the Internet is everything you write has a time and a date on it. And I said at the time, 
to folks at Heritage and elsewhere while the neoconservatives took over the Republican movement, I said, look, these are not conservatives. These are Robespierre's. They want world revolution. They want to try to impose democracy on people they don't know anything about at the point of a gun. The last Iraqis these people knew left Iraq in 1958 when the Dodgers were playing baseball in Brooklyn. (laughs) This is not a good road to go down. It's going to cost a trillion dollars. And the one thing I can say to any audience now when they talk about the neocons and where they write is do you want your trillion dollars back? And of course we do. We've got to stop giving money up for wars that don't matter for American national interests and create a foreign policy fit for actual Americans. John, I couldn't say it better myself. And the reality is we are still sticking the fork in the light socket, although it's not really we. The part that really irritates me about our system, our so-called republic, is all you really need to do is get 535 plus uh, president and vice president, 537 people on board, and you can rob the American people of trillions of dollars. We've been down this prairie path, time in and time out for decades since World War II, and nothing ever happens. We never learn from past mistakes. That's exactly how I view Ukraine, and I know I'm going out on a limb, but I think you view it the same way. Would I be right? You're absolutely right, Sean. I mean, look, the same people... Let's name them. I mean, let's hold people accountable. At least after the Vietnam War, the Kennedy people had the good grace to drink themselves to death. There was accountability. Robert McNamara, who I met at council, was a ghostly figure consumed with guilt for what he'd done. He paid a terrible price for his mistakes. McGeorge Bundy, the most arrogant of National Security Council advisors, and that's saying something, never got to be dean of Harvard. These guys had accountability in their profession for their abject failures. On the other hand, Max Boot became a a, a fellow at the Council on Foreign Relations. Anne Applebaum went from writing sinecure to writing sinecure. David Frum now says, you know, I was right all along about Iraq. Uh, Bill Kristol is still out there pushing candidates for president who want to engage us in wars everywhere all the time, all at once. These are the very same people selling us Ukraine. I'm a historian, Sean, and if you don't learn from history, history will manage you. If we don't listen to people who are abjectly wrong about the most important geostrategic event of the era, and we now accept when they say, trust me, we're fools. Fool me once, shame on them. Fool me twice, shame on me. For some reason, the American people do not want to look at the very history of not just our failures, but the history of corruption in these countries that we are throwing the trillions of dollars in the thousands and thousands of lives, let alone when you include those people who were maimed in Iraq. It's staggering. And when you look at all of that we've done in the last 25 years, I don't know how you come up with a way to quantify the destruction to the American people. I mean, we could point at the debt, but it's convoluted in our own domestic corruption. So there has to be something we agree on. And I, I really do believe that 80% of the American people believe that the Iraq conflict was the way to n- learn and never repeat it. Yet here we are in Ukraine. And I think it's going to be the exact same thing, only more terrible, because what we're doing is, is, is creating the death and destruction of generations of life in Ukraine. And when you go back to Donald Trump in 2019... I didn't like a lot of Donald Trump before he became president. I loved his foreign policy. Absolutely loved it. Because none of these kids would have died. None of them. Let alone the hundreds of billions stolen. What do you think? 
No, I absolutely agree. Look, Donald Trump got one huge thing right. He said, we have a chapter about this in The Last Best Hope, comparing it to something John Quincy Adams said, who set up our Monroe Doctrine. No more stupid wars. Don't fight wars unless primary American interests are at stake. And, and let's run the list of failure. Somalia, Haiti, Bosnia, Kosovo, Afghanistan, Iraq. Time and time again, the other members of the Council on Foreign Relations, Wilsonians on the left and fake rightists like the neoconservatives said, we know better. These people want to socially engineer Americans and they want to socially engineer the rest of the world and they're terrible at it. And that record is one of abject failure. And I would just list these failures and they would basically be frothing at the mouth at me. And look, you're right about Ukraine. It's a country I know. I've been there many times. I stopped doing business there because I didn't want to break any laws. The only way to get anything done in Ukraine is to bribe somebody. And I didn't want to do that. It's dishonorable. It's terrible for them. It's terrible in Kuroju. That's why I didn't do business there. I know it well. It's one of the most corrupt places on the earth. There is no accounting for the money that's gone to Ukraine. These this hundred and fourteen billion dollars in total. And the Democrats at the moment are not allowing a simple audit of where that money's going. Why? The only question that matters in foreign policy is why. Why won't they allow an audit? Because, of course, they would find out that a large portion of that has been diverted to nefarious purposes. It hasn't stopped being corrupt. It is not some model of democracy. Zelensky's not George Washington. For goodness sake, they've suspended having elections for the course of their war. You might contrast that with Abraham Lincoln, who was losing his re-election campaign in 1864, but said it had to go ahead anyway, because if you weren't going to fight for democracy by practicing democracy during a time of crisis, what in the world are we doing? Ukraine simply fails on both counts. Now, you have the experience of, of, of being there and seeing that it didn't always have to be that way and that many people were disappeared, Ukrainians were disappeared, who tried to uh, fight the corruption of Ukraine. And yet, for some reason, there was a, a, a vehement acceptance of this country. And I'm wondering, is it just due to propaganda? Because one of the things you, you mentioned earlier was Somalia and you mentioned Haiti. You didn't mention Yemen, but all of these were stones in the shoe of Barack Obama. These are still places we're involved in to this day. How has the Biden administration been so successful in uh, managing the American media and turning it into a Pravda the year 2024? Well, I mean, I will say one of the major differences. And look, when I was at Heritage, we always knew that it was two against one when we did interviews in the mainstream media. It was the Democrat, you were the Republican or conservative, there was the liberal, and then there was the moderator who would side with the Democrat. But at least you were allowed some space to talk. The difference now is night and day. They go in as active armed members, the, the mainstream media of the Democratic Party, full-time propagandists who aren't even bothering to, to even give you any pretense of neutrality. And as a result, the media's popularity is about that of Charles Manson right now. And the reason for that is the American people know that they're only telling one side of the story and a flawed side at back. And as much as they want to save President Biden, they can't, because what's going to come out in all this is that Hunter Biden, who has no known skills whatsoever um, at all, except living off his father's name, and trading influence. And the best the Biden people can say is, well, we didn't really trade influence. We fooled the other foreigners about trading influence. 
But Ukraine is one of the places where he made a fortune doing nothing. Do we really think that he and his father, as, as Joe Biden said, never at Christmas or Thanksgiving ever discussed what he was doing for business and that this never involved what he did? Well, we know it didn't. At Council on Foreign Relations, Biden said that there were people that, that he wanted removed from the prosecutor's office as vice president under Obama, and he got him removed. It's on tape. It's there for everyone to see. If we put this together, the corruption that tails the Biden people around is there for everyone to see. The question is, are we as a republic going to let him get away with it or not? Well, one thing, John, that I, you know, I, I've been here while you've been uh, abroad making money. And one thing I can tell you as a Chicagoan, ex-Chicagoan, as I am in exile right now. But one thing that I, I, I can tell you is I, I believe the real situation we face is that we have a tremendous percentage of the population that knows it's a scam and wants in on it. So in other words, Chicagoans know that the Chicago Democrat Party is a mafia. They just prefer to be in it. They want a ghost job. They want a phony deal. They want the love and affection of the mafia, i.e. the government. This is something that I think is a bigger problem. And I'm wondering, as somebody who specializes in global political risk, your whole firm is built on global political risk, where you tell companies and people if it's worth it to invest their money or if the governments are so corrupted, they have a very good chance of the governments seizing the money. Do I have it about right? That's exactly right. Okay. So when you see what you just witnessed in New York City, once a capital and a mecca of finance and business, when you see that America has devolved into a Soviet system where politicians can openly persecute, not prosecute, persecute somebody because of their political agenda. Would you tell a company, invest your money in a Democrat-run sewer, once great city like Chicago or New York? No, uh, because they're, as you say, they're corrupt socialist countries, and I make my life studying corrupt socialist countries. Uh, one of my great pleasures in my life while at Heritage is I got to know Lady Thatcher, and I'm actually mentioning the acknowledgement page uh, of her last book, which was a great source of pride to my father, who decided maybe that education was worth it after all. And one of the things she said to me that I'll never forget is socialism will always fail because they end up running out of other people's money. Yeah. As you say, there's a corrupt, rentier class. A lot of people want to be part of that, but you eventually run out of other people's money in order to make it work. And that's what we see in Chicago, New York. I was just in San Francisco, one of my favorite cities growing up. And now I was told by the, by the group I was with, and I was there to give a keynote address, and the hotel guy was being kindly to me, and he said, you can't leave the hotel premises because you might be attacked by one of the homeless. This didn't sound like the homeless when I knew them back in D.C., but no. he said, oh, things have changed. Things have changed, sir. You're staying in the hotel. So while I sat under house arrest in the hotel in San Francisco, it occurred to me that if I were advising other countries on where to invest, I would not have them invest here because of the political dysfunction, the corruption, the lawfare, as you put it, going on. No, the country as a whole, yes, the United States, beyond its government, still has a genius regeneration. Our growth rates are still the envy of Europe. But I would be very careful within that continent about where I would pick and choose to invest. And would I just say in a blanket way, invest everywhere? No. These one-party democratic states that have been democratic-controlled for three generations now, I wouldn't invest in nickel in. John, you and I have the blessing of being older. And I mean that because we were able to see America when it lived up to the principles and ideology of Americanism. Kids today don't.
So the the thing about Margaret Thatcher's saying, which I love, by the way, is that Margaret Thatcher was unaware of the kind of economic corruption of the American Federal Federal Reserve. And once the government decides that it will protect that financial fraud and continue to bury generations in the future, it's evident to me that the ideology of the American government is not just to promote equality in, 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 in poverty, which is what socialism really is, but to, to constantly keep the scam going. And they're prepared and willing and able now through the propaganda wing posing as the media to kill any country that even talks about the corruption in our dollar. I believe that our conflict with the former Soviet Union, let's say Russia for now, is because of that. Russia and some other countries recognized the bastardization of the American dollar and the Bretton Woods Agreement. They recognized there was a runaway train that nobody ever talked about. And you call them neocons. You're exactly right. Because for decades now, not one Republican has talked about paying off the national debt, let alone living to it. So I think we're on the runaway train. And I'm wondering, does it end without nuclear I hope that it does, but you're right about the debt. One of the things that, that I say, neither party is for free trade enough. Nobody, even fair trade, neither party has any remote plan to cut the debt. That that I mean, the days of Jack Kemp and doing this, as you and I remember, are gone. And when I go to the Hill, as I do, no one's talking about deficit reduction. No one's talking about living within your means in a Jeffersonian way. And the point of that in a republic is that these interests are under control only when you pay your bills and live within your means. If you do that, you have a, there'll always be corruption in any form of government. Yes. But you'll be able to yes. deal with that because there'll be so much capitalism and free trade and wherewithal going on that you'll be fine. But if you live beyond your means, these entrenched interests will keep wanting. And this was true of the First Bank of the United States, as you say, back to the beginning. This was true then, that if you if you assume the debt, you're going to have interests that say, let's have more of that. Yes. Let's have more of that. The problem is these interests now run both parties, including my Republican Party. Anyone who would talk to me about deficit reduction, about living within our means. We have a one of the comments I make to European freeloaders on NATO is that no one ever mentions at any of the cocktail parties I'm doomed to go to that we have a thirty four trillion dollar debt yeah. that we have to take care of that that we have an opioid crisis, that we have an educational system teetering on the brink of collapse. Back to the kids. My interns don't know the basics of the American story, and they want to do foreign policy for a living. And they went to very good universities. I'll protect the guilty because I'm fond of them by not naming them. But they know a fifth of what we did. We have all these problems that we must deal with if we're going to make America, as Reagan said, a shining city on the hill. And we have a chapter in our book about that, that America as example is lost in the neocon fantasy of let's double down like a drunken gambler in Vegas. We've lost the kids' college money, so let's keep playing. Yes. And that's where we are. We have to reverse that mindset. And, Sean, you're right. It's a mindset, and it is corruption itself. John, you make me feel good because you're still out there. You're still writing books and you're consulting people. And that's that's really the brightest spot is that you're out there doing this. The The book is The Last Best Hope, A History of American Realism. Now, where can the people go to keep an eye on you? Because I think, uh, you know, you're fascinating and they should keep in touch with you. 
Oh, thank you, Sean. I mean, I run a sub stack that just has my name, John Hulsman. Uh, it's booming, thank God. And as you say, that makes me feel good. And I think a lot with our community on Substack, which I write on incessantly. And we'd love you to join. And the book is, it can be bought anywhere you go on Amazon. And it's doing great because I think people are thirsty to hear this message of ours, Sean. Oh, I agree. And I think once they figure out the scheme that the the kind of money we're talking about and how this this group of anonymous people never produce anything, don't own anything, don't manufacture anything, and make trillions of dollars a year. I think that's the fascinating hook. John Holzman, thank you very much for making time for me. I truly appreciate you. Sean, it was great. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. We'll be back with your calls and comments. This is the Sean Thompson Show, where Democrats are always wrong, Republicans are seldom right, and politicians are never, ever to be trusted. On AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. Reed Hoffman, Hillary Clinton donor, Silicon Valley oligarch, funding this profiteer of policy whore, Nikki Haley, that nobody would know her name. Boeing, she was a bust out nine months ago. Boeing signs her to an $8 million contract. All right, so all of a sudden she's somebody. Paul Ryan bashes Trump and Trump populism, saying it's now the establishment. You see, Paul Ryan, when you look at the national debt, you can blame the Democrats, and that's fine, but I think it's just short-sighted. Blame all of the scum Republicans, like Nikki Haley, Paul Ryan, all of the profiteers of policy. You see, Paul Ryan never worked. And we don't know how many tens of millions he's worth. That's why he's protecting the establishment, which is this dimwit in diapers. Short stares! President short stares with that dementia-glazed face. And everybody knows what he is. I mean everybody. But what he is is the greatest asset to the Leviathan of corruption, the gangster government. Because, well, we're all arguing and distracted, rightfully so, it's understandable, as to how it is possible that this fraud of a human being, this moron who couldn't get a job anywhere in the country, nowhere, couldn't be a night watchman in an ink factory, let alone a greeter at Walmart, could never get a job. He's somehow taken seriously as the president of the United States, because he isn't. We don't need one anymore. We have a leviathan of corruption called Washington, D.C. You don't need a president anymore. So what we should do is, because they're going to cheat Donald Trump again, is withdraw completely. Letitia James is horrible attorney general in New York, campaigned on I will get Trump, I will get Trump. We went through a trial. It turned out we're totally innocent on everything. And he fined me $355 million plus interest and other things. But they say it's the most egregious punishment anybody's ever seen. Tim Scott knows that. He sees it. The Eighth Amendment. Excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishment inflicted. That's the Eighth Amendment. Excessive fines. If he does not have funds uh, to pay off the judgment, uh, then we will seek, uh, you know, judgment enforcement mechanisms in court. And we will ask the judge to seize his assets. I hope he burns it down after everybody exits the building. Burn it to the fracking ground. This is not just the moment of John Galt and Galt's Gulch. This is the reality of how corrupt Democrat sewer areas are. This isn't about an election. The election, we want it. 
in 2020, and here we are today. This is about the open and notorious gangsterism of Democrat mafia scumbag areas. That's what it is. And it doesn't matter the reality. They wallow in it. They use it as an excuse to steal more and more money. Shame on healing! Shame on woo! Protesters shout and hold signs reading Boston is full and why Roxbury try Wellesley. They're against an overflow shelter to help migrants at the Melnia Cast Rec Center in Roxbury. Democrat mayor from Illinois. Resources from the black community. Why are they not in any other community but ours? Inside, 400 cots are set up along with a play area for children. Migrants are sleeping on the floor at Logan Airport. The governor says she had to do something. We really don't. Yeah, but wait a minute. That's not as good of a deal as New York. New York's giving you $10,000 debit cards. Meanwhile, Mayor Eric Adams is rolling out a money-saving program. He claims it's money-saving to help migrants. Adams' uh, debit card program for migrants will reportedly give migrants up to $10,000 each in taxpayer money with no ID check, no restrictions, and no fraud control. So we're just going to keep piling money at these people after they illegally broke into the country and broke the law as their number one thing in America, Krisha. Well, now, why are they doing that, Squirrel? Because they know that not only the Democrats, but the Paul Ryan establishment step-and-fetch Republicans, they're going to go along with it. They're going to fund it just as much. It doesn't matter because the game is equality through poverty. You see, that's what they talk about when they talk about equity and equality. They talk about equity in servitude. That's why the Democrats cheer as they steal the money open and notorious in front of the world. That's why the Democrats will not be outraged at what OMG produced, that artificial intelligence is being used by a corrupt IRS to not just monitor, but to bankrupt the political opposition. In fact, they take glee in bankrupting the political opposition. Just like the Democrats in New York celebrate the open and notorious fascism of that fat-ass Latitia James. By the way, Squirrel, did my lawyer ever get back to us on the Tonka toilets for you fat slobs? You know that they can't be comfortable on regular seats. She could swallow that thing like a thimble. Nick in Addison Park. Hey, Sean. Um, you and your last guest were uh, talking about the uh, national debt and how the Republicans and Democrats are uh, equally culpable and responsible for that obscene debt. And I would agree with you, uh, except for two politicians that I'm aware of. That would be Senator Rand Paul and Congressman Thomas Massey. They are debt warriors. Yeah. And his father was before him. And here's the thing, Nick. What did they successfully, what were they successfully able to do? Neuter the people who speak out. You know, it's funny, Nick, when you think about it, even Donald Trump ran against, uh, uh, ran on auditing the Fed, yet that audit never happened. And the reason is, Nick, it's a perfect scheme. They own nothing. They produce nothing. They manufacture nothing. They make an interest on trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars in the shadow of banking itself and nobody asks. That's why when I have E.J. Anthony on and we talk about the the repo market, an overnight market that .0001% of the American population know is an instant arbitrage for big players who go along with the scheme of of overnight bank-to-bank lending. It's an open and notorious. They're stealing hundreds of billions a night. And nobody cares. Nobody wants to audit the Fed. And all of the foreign conflicts we're in 
are with countries that said, I don't want to use the dollar anymore. You guys are crooks. And do you know something, Nick? They're right. <laughs> so it's a, it's a hard plight of the rubber tree ant. That's what we are. Thank you very much, Nick. That doesn't mean you have to ever let them off the hook. And that's why you give zero money to establishment Republicans like Paul Ryan and 99% of the Republicans in Illinois. They are the same ones that went along with the destruction of a once great state. The same character or lack of it. The same whores. Pat Lombard. Yep, the rats are bailing. Susan Mendoza, our uh, treasurer, uh, I don't know how you call it, a Democrat, has decided to put up a website showing all of the charges that uh, we occur for every single illegal that they're letting into my neighborhood. And I, I got to tell you, it's uh, the, the amount from just a few days is extraordinary. Extraordinary. In fact, Pat, you know what a weak jab is? Do you ever, ever spend any time in the ring? It's a weak jab. It's a head fake. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. She wants to look like she's doing something responsible. Uh, but I want you to listen to the story. And I'm Casey Cronus, live from the migrant landing zone at Displains in Polk, where the more migrants that arrive here from Texas means more tax dollars spent. And that's why Illinois controller Susana Mendoza has launched an all-new portal to track state spending on new arrivals. Here's what the homepage of that portal looks like. When you continue scrolling, you will see spending amounts, vendor names, and contract details. So far, the portal has tracked expenditures totaling $31.1 million as of November 1st of 2023. That's when it stops. She doesn't update yeah, it from November like 1st. To, yeah. yeah, I'd just like to go out to some of those sites and see if those companies really are there. You know, how well, here's the, or if there's somebody somebody in the graveyard, you know, one of our graveyard voters, you know. Oh, come on. The, the, you mean you mean the cornerstone of the Democrat Party? In the meantime, Pat, what did we ever find out about those two half-assed wannabe gangsters who owned the tainted land and the 91000 a month? Does that go on in perpetuity? Did they get out of that lease? How much money was squandered on that alone? Is that right. in the $31 right. million? And they don't have to give back the rock and the stone either, you know, that was poured on top of everything. Isn't that great? It's phenomenal, Pat. There's a lot of money in corruption. Thank you very much for it. Tom in Blue Island. Sean Dittos. Thank you. So, Sean, they stole an election. And uh, I love it when guys call you and say, oh, Sean, you sound angry or whatever. Well, all right. We're stealing an election. Now, how many Ukrainians and Russians are dead, regardless of what side you're on? How many of these countries all over the world that you're the only one that throws light on, that there's American troops fighting and people dying? How many of these migrants were sold a bill of goods by this fool president's administration and I wandered around this country. I can't go anywhere, Sean, in Chicago with someone that's standing on a, a corner with children asking yeah. for 5 or $10 for their family. I know. Right. Honey, Bunny, Honey Bunny was able to take a picture, though, today. Uh, I think the handwriting of the illegal immigrant is far better than that of the CPS student. And I think the, the fact is the CPS student not only can't write, is more dangerous. But I get your drift, and you're 100% right. And how about the shoes on all the illegal aliens? A lot nicer oh, than most could, of the Sean, Chicagoans. Yeah. Sean, you can't believe it. I get guys that come to the shop looking for they're, – they're coming ostensibly looking for jobs. I've never owned clothing. 
never shone in my life. I mean, I have, I, you know, yeah, I, you know me, I'm a neighborhood yeah. guy. Yeah. I have a, I have some, I have a couple of nice little sets of clothing. I've never had clothes on in my life, Sean, like they're wearing. I know. Nice stuff. Creases on the pants. And I know it's you crazy, since the Baccarat clothes, you haven't been neat. Thank you very much. Uh, it, 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 it's open and notorious. Uh, it's not as bad as New York yet. I only think we give them 2500 not 10000 But um, you know the way you solve that, uh, uh, Tom, is you do what I do when they came up to me in the gas station when I had to go back to the studio in Chicago. That's a nice phone. Give me the phone. All of a sudden, they speak English. 312-642-5600. He will never negotiate his constitutional rights with the government. Live free or die on The Sean Thompson Show on AM560. The answer. AM560. The answer. Squirrel, ever tell you when I was in Chicago on North Avenue in 53 and the bum all dolled up with new pants on with the crease, new sneakers, and a new backpack. I said, hey, you smoking the cigar, you must have some money. I said, yeah, I got some money. Give me some. I said, ah, that's a nice backpack. Ah, and he kept walking while I waited a little while, Squirrel. Got out of my car, grabbed the backpack, the light turned green. I took off to see that guy run. He wasn't handicapped at all. Mike in Yorkville. Sean, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Anytime. Did you ever see a hey, bum running got- down running down North Avenue tracing a, a luxury sedan, not union made? It was me. Go ahead. <laughs> I just have, a, I think, a great solution for the illegals and the Ukrainian problem. Oh, boy. Does it involve a a, a nuclear warhead? I hope not. The Yakuza guy just got caught trying to sell one. Go ahead. (laughs) Well, Ukraine needs bodies. So the best way, I think, we should take those illegal uh, age, those military-aged men, young men that are coming here to the U.S., and ship them all to the Ukraine. Uh, All right. It's going to take them a while to learn that language. It's a complicated one, but all right. I like it. I mean, it didn't take them long to learn how to write and beg for money in English. You might be onto something, Mike. See, Squirrel, we got solutions here on the show. That's why they call it The Answer. Craig and Mount Greenwood. Oh, they chipmunked you. You've been chipmunked by the NSA. Let's drop them. Let's get them to call. Hey, you guys feel like playing some baseball. <laughs> in a confrontation between NYPD officers and migrants is caught on video, this time inside a shelter. It's just the latest in a series of violent encounters. This is not the one where they kicked the cop and the guy gave the finger that Darwin was looking for. No, who's ironically, his name was Darwin. Did you see that, Squirrel? Oh, it's phenomenal. This is not the time when they beat the cop. or This isn't the time when on the mopeds they beat the 65-year-old lady. This is a new one. In that video, you can see officers clocked in the head with a book bag, water bottle, and other items while trying to make an arrest. It's like an illegal alien insurrection. Rest. New York City Mayor Eric Adams says they're reviewing what happened, and he again called on Washington for help. Help? Why would you? You're just getting tent. Oh, you don't have the money. You're like Illinois. You're like Illinois. Maybe you should create a portal. But it's important to note the portal only launched today. So that number is expected to grow as more state agencies' expenditures are reported. You'll never get the real number. Luckily, we have the Illinois Policy Institute, WirePoint, have pointed out that we're north of a billion dollars when you factor in medical spending. Oh, yes. We're paying for that, too. And in the meantime, uh, what's Pritzker going to do about the budget? Blue skies 
Illinois spins uh, and continues to spin as it has been. The state will face a nearly $900 million deficit. Just last week, the governor announced plans to spend another. You know what a deficit is? Well, that's political speak for bankruptcy. That's bankruptcy. Only governments can run deficits. You in your own life, you end up arrested, walking the streets, you know, homeless. The number of people experiencing homelessness in a single night went up 12 percent in the United States in 2000. Ah, they're just running deficits, squirrel. See what I like to do, tie the stories together? $182 million in state money to respond to the influx of migrants in Chicago and Cook County since August of 2020. If Springfield was a person, they'd be homeless. They keep running deficits. 22, nearly 36,000 migrants have been bused or flown to Illinois, primarily from Texas. Illinois Republicans. Oh, wait a minute now, wait. You forgot about all the NGOs, non-government organizations, ironically funded by the government, like the IRC, that have been sending illegals here, even if they're attached to cartels, which explains the wonderful peace and prosperity so many people see in the city of Chicago, once great city. Oak shop on the northwest side that's experienced multiple burglaries was broken into again overnight. WGN's Christine Flores spoke with the owner of the shop. She's in Jefferson Park with more. Oh, good evening. Part of this storefront is now boarded up. And unfortunately, this isn't the first or the second. That's a scumbag pass through where you don't have to be open. They just come in and take your stuff. Welcome to a Democrat sewer. We'll be back. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America. He's here to seize back our rights from the government with a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other. He's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. This looks like on top of me, so everybody just follow me because we need a little controversy. Squirrel, there was a time in this country when we had something called investigative reporters. It's true. Absolutely phenomenal time. And they were... Dedicated to bringing you the truth. The truth, not a political version of a Goebbels propaganda story, but they wanted to bring you the truth. Now, we don't really have much of that, but we do have documentaries. Documentaries sprouted up decades ago, and they took the place of what media used to do. Documentaries such as this. There's something magical about the movies that I just love. Hollywood invented America to the world in the old days. And as a medium, it's really powerful. But for some, that power isn't used for good. Sure, our way of life is being censored by the Chinese Communist Party. They said, we get a lot of our money out of China. Is there any way you can make this movie a little bit more attractive to the Chinese? Is it really just about money? Are there other parts at stake? I had friends in Hollywood who said, this will kill your career. You won't get funding. They're afraid of even mentioning one line. Chinese influence was playing into what we see in U.S. films. China said, you can't have that in there. And Hollywood listened. This is insane. This is a joke, right? We raised our hand right into it. But over time, all of us have been punched in the nose. The Chinese Communist Party followed no rules. What's at stake? The soul of the nation is at stake. 
We want indoctrination access to America. It's what Goebbels dreamt of. My next guest is dedicated to truthful presentation. She is Tiffany Meyer, host of the new documentary, Hollywood Takeover. Tiffany, thank you for joining me. How are you? Thank you for having me. What an intro. <laughs> well, it's interesting what you're doing, and it needs to be exposed. You see, the communists are very strategic in their takeover of the only country based on the unalienable right of the citizen versus the strength power of the government. However, they've been successful. They own several senators, several congressmen. They own the sitting president of the country the way I see it. And uh, now they've infiltrated the movie business. But will it be better or worse than uh, Weinstein, Weinstein and the pedophile parade that controlled it prior to the Chinese? Or did they work in conjunction with the Democrats in Hollywood? Definitely some interesting points there. I think what you touched on, especially on the head, was how this, as in the Chinese Communist Party, is a system that's the opposite of what America stands for, which is the individual and all the liberties here. And so that's really at the heart of understanding all of this. And as you also touched on, the communists are very good at influencing all aspects of our society, including the government. But also this film is especially about how they take over culture and then help drive politics that way. And the big example here is Hollywood and movies cost a lot. So uh, throughout the years, Hollywood is like, ooh, China has a massive market. What if we try to get in there? What if we play nice to them? Because the Chinese Communist Party only allows a few films uh, per year to enter the Chinese Communist Party's market. And so what happens is you end up with studio self-censoring. For instance, I think the most obvious example would be Red Dawn 2, where the enemy was supposed to be the Chinese Communist Party. And in 2012... That's not what came out. The enemy is North Korea. That change actually took cost $1 million to make that change. And since then, this is 2012, since then, no major studio has released a film with the villain being China. So think about what that does to our brains, our perceptions. We watch these movies, China's the hero, for instance, in Gravity, Sandra Bullock is saved by the Chinese in space, not the U.S. or Russians. And so we start getting fed these different things, and we're like, ooh, the Chinese don't seem so bad. And when it comes time to vote, maybe a politician is all for doing business with China and opening up more manufacturing with them. Probably going to vote for them because we don't think the communists are that different from us or that bad. So that's kind of what's at stake here. So it's fascinating to me. This really is fascinating to me because I love history. And one thing that um, people lose sight of is that Adolf Hitler killed between what, 8 and 11 million people? Uh, Joseph Stalin, between 50 and 60 million people. But Mao Zedong killed in excess of 100 million people. The Chinese Communist Party make people disappear almost on an hourly basis. They're the largest slave camp that exists, and yet they appear in $6,000 shiny suits, and people mistake them for comfortable communists rather than despots that they are. Do we have any information on how many people have disappeared uh, from Hong Kong since uh, they were allowed to walk in and take over Hong Kong? I mean, how have they been able to put lipstick on the pig that is communism? It's really hard because they have such control over everything, right? There is no transparency. So even the famine that was manufactured under Mao Zedong, we still don't know the exact number. The conservative estimates are 44 million people who died from that manufactured famine. And many people still don't know what happened there, right? So with Hong Kong, 
in even the pandemic, it's so hard to tell because we don't have those numbers. All we have are stories of someone who knows someone who disappeared, someone who saw something, all these different little tidbits. And so that's really how they control the narrative. They start with their own people and then they start controlling the narrative around the world and the perception that the world has of them. I also love the idea of focusing on international finance. And it's an interesting case when you look at China. I mean, if they had a Federal Reserve, maybe they could perpetrate this, but they don't. And they have some economic turmoil that's going on. It's being underreported. They're in uh, arguably the, the, the beginning, if not the middle, of a depression, not only a recession. But they also are smart enough to side with other countries that are willing to buy the lie that they are still wealthy. Is that the strategy moving forward, is to just partner with the enemies of America and try to buoy up your own economy while they watch ours implode? That does seem to be what's unfolding. Like you touched on, China's economy is not doing well. They have their real estate crisis, as we see with Evergrande, $300 billion in debt that it can't pay. If Country Garden, another real estate giant there, you have record high youth unemployment to the rate that the Chinese regime wasn't publishing those numbers. That's how bad it was. Normally, they just take the numbers. And then you even have the point where some Chinese economy experts are saying their GDP growth instead of the 5% they were predicting was probably negative last year. (laughs) But then at the same time, you do have the Chinese regime telling the world, hey, you should come and do investments with us. We're ready to waive some visas for you. But it's gotten to the point where they've expanded their counter-espionage law that businesses are finding it too risky to do business in China because they have these raids on, say, the U.S. due diligence firm Bain and Company, which is just trying to do its normal business practices. But now they were raided. Their office is inside China. So businesses are looking at that. They saw that China did not have the post-pandemic recovery it was projected to have because of their draconian zero-COVID lockdowns. And now you have all these different messages coming out of China to the point where a lot of countries are being, a lot of companies too, not just countries, are like, hmm, maybe I should move my manufacturing somewhere that's safer, like say India or even Vietnam if it's still close to China, but that's not China. So you're even seeing like Apple do that. So I think we are seeing that shift. But then to your other point, we are seeing China, say, help Russia evade its sanctions from the West right after the war in Ukraine. You're seeing that. You're seeing China also helping Iran and North Korea, all these authoritarian regimes, the new axes of evil, as Mitch McConnell was calling it. You're seeing that part grow as well. So it is a very interesting time because you're hearing people talk about decoupling or maybe if that's too far, they say de-risking, you know, a different term or friendshoring, bringing back manufacturing. So I think you are seeing hints of that all over the place. You know, they, they um, have the luxury of, of, of taking advantage of something called a favored nation status, which is funny to me because Republicans, establishment Republicans or Democrats never discuss it. Yet that favored right. nation status ironically means the American taxpayer yet again is subsidizing Chinese communist investment in America. I only know this because I'm originally from Chicago. It was always interesting to me how through the Democrat, as I call them, the short in the pants mafia, the Democrat Party in locally in Chicago were interwoven with Chinese investors. But when you really dig into it, they're being subsidized to invest in strategic Democrat areas. Ironically, those Democrat areas are suffering from a collapse of real estate values in these Democrat sewers, once great areas like Chicago. And it doesn't really matter because they were subsidized to do it. Is there subsidies in investing in Hollywood movies? Are once again 
the people of America subsidizing the Chinese takeover of Hollywood? I'd love to know that. You're seeing kind of mixed signals. So, for instance, why a lot of films wanted to go to Hollywood is Pacific Rim. Back in the day, it made $101 million in the U.S. That was well below its budget of $190 million. But in China alone, it made $111 million. So that doubled its box office. So after that, studios looked at that and they're like, hey, even if I don't do well in, say, the U.S. North American market, if I can just get into China, I'll be able to make a lot of money. So you're seeing a lot of incentives in that area. But I think one of the most famous recent examples would be Top Gun Maverick, right? You had the trailer, the international trailer that came out that caused so much backlash because the two patches on Tom Cruise's jacket were missing the Taiwanese and Japanese flags because those are sensitive topics to communist China. And Tencent, a massive Chinese tech company, was funding part of this movie, the like most American patriotic movie. But because of the backlash and because of the pandemic, there was time to delay a lot of films. Tencent actually backed out of funding this film. And then, as I'm sure a lot of people saw, the film, the patches were back in the final version of the film. And that movie, Top Gun Maverick, made over $1 billion without the China market. That was the first Tom Cruise movie ever to make over a billion. And so you're seeing hints of that. And then you're also seeing other films like, for instance, Eternals and Senshi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which seem like they're perfectly made for the Chinese audience because they have Chinese-led cast and crew. But neither of those played in China because Simu Liu, the superhero star of Senshi, back in 2017, said something bad about the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, and Chloe Zhao, the director of Eternals, decades ago had said something negative and so now you're seeing studios see that and they're like hmm even if i try so hard to pass the censors right to try and get into these like 30 films that are accepted in china i might not make it and then you're seeing the success of films like top gun and also spider-man no way home that refused to remove the last 20 minutes of the film that showed the statue of liberty china thought that was a little too patriotic of the u.s they didn't do that and that film also passed a billion dollars without the china market so you're seeing the rise in that and also China's economy not really recovering from the pandemic, and another shift in the Chinese consumers themselves, where they actually prefer to watch the Chinese propaganda films that are made inside China rather than these. So you're seeing a whole shift of people being like, oh, maybe it doesn't pay to kowtow to the Chinese regime. You know, Tiffany, uh, way back in the 80s, there was a very smart guy I knew who was a stock investor of sorts, a recreational stock investor. And he started uh, something that kind of grew, and that was when you saw a product in a, in a high-budget movie, when you saw a James Bond film or something along those lines or a Tom Cruise movie, and there was a product that was shown, whether it be a timepiece or a, a, a condiment like Pepsi, if you track the stock price after it hit those high-budget movies, it was funny to see how it had a massive uptick. And I'd love to know, are American co- companies that pay now what we are, are learning are Chinese-invested films. Is there a backdoor subs- subsidizing of the Chinese Communist Party through pot- product buy-ins to film? Do we know uh, some of the numbers? Have American companies, from sneakers to soft drinks and even maybe beer companies that pay to be in movies, have they ended up subsidizing Chinese investments in films, which looks like the Chinese uh, are investing in films, but ironically make some money back on buybacks of of companies that buy into these films? Do we know if that's happening? In the documentary, we do talk about Iron Man 3, which was the first Iron Man movie to enter the Chinese market. And part of that was to 
placate and appeal to the Chinese censors. So you have a Chinese doctor who saves the life of Iron Man. Imagine that, right? <laughs> what yeah. kind of propaganda points is that selling? And they do put like certain like milk products that's really famous in China in like certain scenes, like in the background, like you're talking about to kind of spur that. I don't know off the top of my head the amount of money that that generated, but they do have those placements to really try and appeal to that market. And another huge example of that was Looper, where it was a time travel movie, and the Chinese Communist Party does not like time travel because they can't control time travel. (laughs) But to sell this movie to the Chinese Communist Party, you had to make it seem like China was the mecca of the world. And so originally, the script was uh, Bruce Willis tells Gordon Levitt that I'm from the future, you want to go to France, right? That's where the future was supposed to be. If you've seen the movie, that's not what he says. (laughs) He says, I'm from the future, you want to go to China. And that was such a huge point in the film. People loved that line. The Chinese Communist Party loved that line. (laughs) It was a complete rewrite from the original one. So you are seeing that where they're doing all of these different things to sway public opinion, whether that's seeing China as the, the mecca of the world, or you are seeing these product placements as well. I'm shocked at the complacency of um, some of the Hollywood companies that really only thrive in in this country. Uh, When you look at these despotic totalitarian countries, I don't care if you go to Venezuela or Havana or you look at the history of the world and you look at Nazi Germany and you see that it was only in America that these companies were allowed to exist and profit and keep the majority of their profit. Do you think that they're aware of what will eventually happen if the Chinese Communist Party does successfully take over Hollywood. Well, I think that's the thing. So you played the trailer at the beginning where Chris Fenton talks about being punched in the nose. So he was one of the ones who opened the door to Hollywood and China. He was like a mediator. And his whole thing was, in the beginning, the U.S. was like, oh, my gosh. And Hollywood especially was like, oh, my gosh, like, we need the Chinese Communist Party's market. But they also need us because they like Western brands. But throughout the years, Hollywood basically trained the Chinese Communist Party in how to make movies, or you could say how to fish, and then they do it better than us now. But in that process, Hollywood is only now realizing that, you know, these studios sacrificed everything. They compromised on human rights, free speech, and then soft topics or sensitive topics to the Chinese Communist Party, like Hong Kong, Taiwan, Tibet. And so now they're finding out, oh, no, we sacrificed so much in the short term for money that now Hollywood like Hollywood is struggling because China or the Chinese Communist Party doesn't need Hollywood. They can produce their own films almost on par to our level of creativity and all of that. And instead they compromised everything in the process. I like when, when corrupt people get hoisted by their own petard. And part of me is enjoying some schadenfreude as I watch Hollywood wallow in the fact that they've made their own area hostile to shooting their very movies. Do you think they're aware of how this all started was when they supported the kind of fascist government in this country that would make Hollywood unable to shoot movies in Hollywood? Do they see the irony in the fact that the government has regulated to the fact that they can't even shoot their own movies in Hollywood anymore and it's irrelevant and that they're probably better off moving to Tennessee anyway versus Beijing? I think you're seeing glimpses of that, especially in the rise of the independent or other alternative film movements. Like even Daily Caller is coming out with movies now, right? They had Gina Carano, who was in The Mandalorian with Disney and then who left. And, you know, I guess she was, you know, 
inspired is yes. the term. Um, but then you're also seeing, say, Angel Studios, which had the anti-trafficking film Sound of Freedom that did super well in the box offices. So you're seeing changes in that where the streaming services have really taken over. And because there are so many streaming services, right, it's like it's not just Netflix now. You have Disney+, Plus, Paramount, all of these different ones. You're, you, I think that is also an opportunity for the independent filmmakers out there to get their shot to enter the market because it's not just Hollywood. You're actually seeing those studios struggling now. Are they waking up? Well, I guess maybe it's too early to tell, but you are seeing the main studios like Paramount. They recently just laid off 800 people. So it does look like they're not doing that well. Well, the one thing you know about the economy is that you don't know. I love that because there's always opportunity and there's (laughs) always good people that can make good products on low budgets. And, uh, I'm kind of describing you. So the website is HollywoodTakeover.com. Is that where you prefer they go to get information? And how can they support your next project? I know the film business is you're only as good as your last project. You're probably already working on a next one. Where can they go to keep an eye on uh, Tiffany Meyer? Oh, yeah. So HollywoodTakeover.com, like you said, is probably the best place to go for more info on this. Otherwise, Epic TV is where you can watch all of our other documentaries, our upcoming documentaries as well. And then I also host two shows, daily news shows. One is China in Focus that covers China news. And then the other is our NTD evening news if you want more domestic news coverages. And we do have a lot of special election coverages coming out as well. So if you go to either Epic TV or firsthollywoodtakeover.com, you can find a lot more info there. Tiffany Meyer, I've enjoyed it very much. I look forward to taking the documentary in full at HollywoodTakeover.com. Thank you for making time for me, Tiffany. Oh, yeah, thank you. Have a great night. We'll be back with your calls and comments. Call Sean now. 312-642-5600. AM560, the answer. The brother, the sister, the crackhead son. I wrote a heartfelt email up to the commissioner of the IRS through my leadership chain. I'm like, we need to meet to talk about this as a huge risk for the IRS. And it was met with one of my um, uh, leaders in my field office saying that I may have broken the law and that I should cease and desist from sending any communication outside the management chain. That's when I knew I had to come forward because they were essentially trying to silence me. They didn't care what happened in this case. They just were trying to silence me. Because they're in on it. Right, Lois Lerner? Fat ankled bimbo to the Marxist mafia? There's no evidence tying Joe Biden to Hunter Biden's businesses or any improper activities. When you hear that, what do you think? I think it's blatantly false. Because he's as crooked as Grand Avenue. Well, the important thing is he's going to have to explain it. For those of us who've been writing about the Bidens for years, I've actually been writing about the influence peddling with the Biden family for over a decade. Um, This is an amazing moment because the Bidens have never been called to account. They've never been forced to go under oath and answer these questions. And this deal really sort of captures James Biden's business. He would openly discuss uh, leveraging his brother's connections in order to get business. And this was a company that left a lot of people holding the bag, but not the Bidens. They got a lot of money before this business collapsed. Now, they made less than they did for building homes in Iraq. $1.5 billion. James Biden doesn't know what end of a hammer to grab. Instead of Paul Pelosi, who knows exactly 
which end of the hammer to grab. He likes the ball peen. Cream Puff Jim, how did you kiss that Democrat ass all these years? How'd you do it? Well, re- remember, remember, Madigan made this state deep blue, deep booby boy, two page counties deep blue. But I was going to say that it takes a Catholic and a vote Catholic Irish president to forgive loans. Yeah. There isn't a Republican <laughs> Protestant in the country that would forgive yeah. loans. He's like that Catholic, Catholic priest who's got the family Catholic. on the south side with that Archie Herdo. Yeah. Got the whole family yeah. living with a wife and everything, slapping that big derriere. What's his name? Flager? I love that fucking bastard. You got this one wants to kill the babies. I'll tell you what, I, I can't believe I was baptized in that shenanigans. But I do love the Vatican Bank, the most successful real estate investment trust in world history. That's how you kiss the ass. You're, you're born to do it. Thank you very much. Makes sense to me. Now, Kevin in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hey, Sean, I know there's so much waste, fraud, and abuse to talk about, and that's most likely why you don't do this uh uh, segment anymore that I was going to ask you about, but you used to do a uh, on Fridays, like a little uh, you know Hollywood movie uh, deal. Yeah. Um, and I I recently took one of your uh, suggestions, um, RKO two eight one. It was great. Yeah, great movie, great movie. You know what it is too, I, I Kevin. I got up. I got to follow up with Citizen Kane. Oh, you haven't seen it? I Rob, haven't. I haven't. Rosebud. You know what he was referring to, don't you? It wasn't oh, yeah. the sled. Oh, for sure. It wasn't no, the sled. It was a dig at uh, Hearst and his girlfriend. Oh, yeah. That's what he. That's what he nicknamed his girlfriends. You know, hoo hoo. In the meantime, uh, it's very interesting. And then you watch it. Orson Welles, who was arguably the most talented human being to ever enter Hollywood, and how he was blacklisted after that movie because he went after yep. William Randolph Hearst, a real piece of scum. Him, his kids, they're all scum. Thank you very much. So we that- should maybe revitalize it, Kevin. I, I haven't given it much. I didn't mean to cut you off. But we should revitalize it. But the fact of the matter is, I don't like new movies that are out. I've already given what I think are, are some great stuff. And um, I'd rather focus on exposing. We only have a short period of time. I only have three hours. I want to expose every one of these rat scumbags because I do believe it leads somewhere. After all, it was on this show we started talking about the investigative reporting that was done on the Dalton Dimwit. On that low-life roach, what, she spent three dimes a juicy crab living it up? The median income in Dalton, what, 24 grand? You're slightly better than Ukraine was? Another town cast into poverty, and yet this dingbat tramp uh, was living like she was successful at something other than just stealing the people's money, and it does lead somewhere. That last half hour is important. Fox 32 has information indicating the FBI has launched an investigation into controversial Dalton Mayor Tiffany Henyard. Dane Placco has been following allegations of her misspending and joins us now with an update. Dane. Yeah, we've been re- misspending. You're talking about stealing. Misspending. Reporting for nearly two years on allegations of corruption surrounding Henyard in her capacity as Dalton Mayor and Thornton Township uh, Supervisor. And now we've learned from multiple sources that federal agents are in fact interviewing witnesses as part of a possible investigation that may or may not result in charges. May not. Well, there are. It is Democrat control, but that's the feds. And After all, they're Democrat controlled, too. So I don't have high expectations, but at least we focus some attention on it. It's crucially important we do that. That's why I wanted to bring this last half hour of today on the scumbag George Soros. You see, there's a reason he's buying 220 radio and TV stations, seven of them in Chicago. The reason is propaganda. See, George Soros learned decades ago about propaganda, Nazi propaganda. 
And he did some interviews in the 90s that I think you have to listen to. In the last two years, you've been blamed for financial collapse of Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, Japan, and Russia. Yeah, all, of the, all of the above. All of the above. Yeah, yeah. Are you that powerful? No, I think there's a great misunderstanding. I am basically there to, um, to make money. I cannot and do not look at the social consequences of, of what I do. As a, as a competitor, I've got to compete to win. As a human being, I, can, I, I am concerned about the society in which I live. Which George Soros am I talking to now? The amoral George Soros or the, the moral George Soros? Uh, it's one person. It's one person who at one time engages in amoral activities and at the rest of the time tries to be moral. You're a Hungarian Jew mm -hmm. who escaped the Holocaust mm -hmm. by posing as a, a Christian. Right. And you watched lots of people get shipped off to the death camps. Right. I was 14 years old. And I would say that that's when my character was made. In what way? That one should think ahead, one should understand and, and anticipate events. Uh, and uh, one, one is threatened. It was a tremendous threat of evil. I mean, it was a, a very personal experience of evil. My understanding is, is that you went out with this protector of yours who swore that you were uh, his adopted godson. Yes, yes went out, in fact, and helped in the confiscation of property from the Jews. That's right. Yes. I mean, that's, that sounds uh, like an experience that would send lots of people to the psychiatric couch for many, many years. Was it difficult? Uh, not, not, not at all. Not at all. It, uh, maybe as a child you don't, you don't see the connection. Well, you were 14 and you helped the Nazis take the possessions of your fellow Jew, and you did it until the end of the war. And, uh, but it, was, it created no, no problem at all. No feeling of guilt? No. For example, that uh, I'm Jewish, um, and here I am watching these people go, I could just as easily be there, I should be there, none of that. Well, uh, of course, I could, uh, I could be on the other side, or I could be the one from whom it, the thing is being taken away. So it's better to be the thief than the victim. Uh, um, but there was no sense that I shouldn't be there, because uh, that was... Uh, uh, well, actually, in a funny way, it's just like in markets that... No, no, no. It's nothing like markets to be not just a Nazi sympathizer, but a Nazi asset. Nothing like markets. But go ahead, spin your tale of lies. If I weren't there, of course I wasn't doing it, but somebody else would, 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 would be taking it away anyhow. Not the several Nazis my Uncle Mikey single-handedly killed. Or my Uncle Joe who killed him, my Uncle Louie. I think he killed him, but he might have just thrown hand grenades at him. However, not the Nazis that the Americans killed. You could have also killed the Nazis instead of worked for them. It was the, whether I was there or not, I was only a spectator. The property was being taken away. So I had no role in taking away that property. So I had no sense of guilt. Really? 
We'll cover the rest of this when we get back. 312-642-5600. Broadcasting from the Petri dish of corruption known as the state of Illinois. In the upper Midwest, the nation, and around the world. This is the Sean Thompson Show on AM560, The Answer. AM560, The Answer. Propaganda is a very strong weapon. You could argue who used it better, whether it was the Soviets or the Nazis. I think Goebbels did when you look at uh, how he was able to successfully overthrow that country with propaganda. George Soros learned to trade well, and he now owns a 415 million plus share in Odyssey, which owns 220 TV and radio stations in America, seven of them in Chicago, including WBBM. Maybe as a child, you don't you don't see the connection, uh, uh, but it was it created no no problem at all. No feeling of guilt. No. For example, that uh, I'm Jewish, uh, and here I am watching these people go. I could just as easily be there. I should be there. None of that. Well, uh, of course, I could, uh, I could be on the other side, or I could be the one from whom it, the thing is being taken away. Uh, um, but there was no sense that I shouldn't be there, because uh, that was... Uh, uh, well, actually, in a funny way, it's just like in markets, that if I weren't there, of course I wasn't doing it, but somebody else would, 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 would be taking it away anyhow. I wonder if that's how they justified what they did in Ukraine. Set up a foundation in Ukraine before Ukraine became independent of uh, Russia. Um, and the foundation has been uh, functioning ever since. There is one pers- person who was very deeply involved in Ukraine, uh, and, and that's Biden. Oh, we'll get to Joe Biden later, devil's nephew. In the meantime, let's finish up your interview with 60 Minutes in 1998. Whether I was there or not, I was only a spectator. The property was being taken away. So I had no role in taking away that property. So I had no sense of guilt. Are you religious? No. Do you believe in God? No. Soros told us he believes God was created by man, not the other way around, which may be why he thinks he can smooth out the world's imperfections. When we went with him to Ukraine, he was treated like a visiting head of state. Ukraine, 1998, squirrel George Soros in 60 Minutes. And was received by the president. Then he was received by the prime minister and finally the central bank. 20% in cash. They- I wonder if that was the loan guarantees that Joe Biden helped even allowed him to look at the books and asked him for advice. Lots of people want George Soros's advice. Most recently, South African President Nelson Mandela. Actually, President Mandela, another communist, uh, asked me uh, how could South Africa protect itself against speculators like you? And I told him, I wrote him a memo trying to give him the best advice I could uh, how to uh, uh, reduce the the, the uh, exposure of South Africa to to speculative attack. That's the old "stop me before before I kill again" approach, right? We're well, telling this is what you can do to stop me. Whether I or somebody else 
uh, does whatever is happening in the markets, it really doesn't make any difference to the outcome. I don't feel guilty because I'm engaged in an amoral activity which is not meant to have anything to do with guilt. Part of the reason he is so rich is that the Soros hedge funds operate offshore in the Netherlands Antilles to avoid scrutiny by the Securities and Exchange Commission. So even while Soros tells Congress and the Treasury that hedge funds must be regulated to stop the global crisis, he's avoiding the rules. He doesn't tell them, he owns them. Every Democrat and some Republicans. That's why you have to be careful where you get your information or listen to your news shows. That's why AM560 is the answer. And the other ones are owned by Soros. We'll be back in 21 hours. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.